Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and joining me, our co-host, Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Aubrey, this is the third week of the marriage series. This has been an incredible series. Love this and, series. Uh, you know, one of the things that we got feedback on from our survey is that people wanted more um, topically, you know, more, more content on uh, family type stuff, marriages and, and relationships and parenting. And so... It was so cool that we received that feedback while we had a marriage series already planned, that already in the queue. God, right there. Look Such a God thing. And so uh, really glad that we've been able to do this. It's been an awesome series. And just like most of our series, we, are, uh, we have a counselor spot on the back end. And this particular counselor spot is featuring Nicole Zasowski. Uh, it's through the entire series. She's, she's on this. She was actually featured, her story was, last episode, episode 152. Yeah, that was a really powerful As a part of the marriage series. It was so, so good. And uh, today we have an interview with Hillary and Joe Barry. Um, and, and this is, a, um, this is a, an interview on the, on the topic of uh, sexual betrayal, which has actually been one of the most listened to topics on our podcast. We had an entire series mm. about that and that right. series. Just about every episode in that series is on our top 10 of most listened to. So it's a very prevalent topic. Oh, which is very prevalent. devastating that that's a prevalent topic, but it obviously yes. is. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I would say, especially for you listeners, if you are walking through a sexual betrayal situation or maybe know someone who is, be sure to stick around for yes. some resourcing at the end of this conversation and really to hear what um, Nicole as the counselor is going to say. Right, right. Yeah. And, and just to kind of qualify, you know, Sexual betrayal could mean, you know, a full-fledged affair, but it, right. but it also, you know, what gets lumped into this category as well is if, you know, for instance, your spouse has got an addiction with pornography yeah. or, and so there's, there are a lot of different um, nuances to this as well. And, and so I think that's also, Aubrey, why it's such a prevalent issue because there are so many different ways that we can get, we can enter into this type of pain journey, this type of valley. Um, and it, and it usually comes with a lot of shock yeah. most often, not always, but most often it's the woman who has become betrayed. She's the, she's the one that's been sexually betrayed because the man right. is, you know, struggling with pornography or has yeah. you know, had an affair. And one of the biggest things that they struggle with, and we've talked about this a little bit before, one of the biggest things that these these women, especially, but you know, both genders, struggle with is, what do I do next? Yeah. When do I? Well, yeah. Do I stay and forgive and work through? Do I take some time to separate? Do I yep. leave? Because I mean, it's been a sexual betrayal. I have right. rights now. To, I mean, that's a very difficult thing to navigate, right. and I don't think any situation is a blank. There's not a blanket answer for that. No. No. There's not. It's a very yeah, it's very much case by case. Mm -hmm. What's difficult about it, what makes it a little bit more complicated is anytime you go through any any sort of trauma, um, there is that fight or flight mechanism that you know begins sure. to take place in, in you. That's just the physiological response to trauma is if you are still immersed in that trauma. What you have to do before you can gain perspective on it, before you can begin to heal from it, is you have to step back away from 
the situation that was your trauma. And so what gets complicated about this is that your trauma is in the (laughs) context of your marriage. Right. In your home, in your home, in the person that's your best friend, in the, yes. Exactly. And so while that, you know, we, we say you've got to step back and get some perspective on it. And you also have to step into and, and lean into those emotions and lean into the pain and confront that. Well, most of the time when trauma takes place, you have that safe space in your spouse to be able to walk through that trauma together and be able to sort through it and be able to process through it together. You can lean on each other. You can help each other. You know, one, one day, one person may be stronger, the other person weaker and vice versa. And so there's that, you know, just kind of working back and forth. This is a situation where it's, uh, you're constantly inundated with that trauma. So it's like an added layer of of trauma, an added right. layer of grief. Like you're not only grieving what happened, but that you can't even, um, it's happened to you, like your person. This right. is my person. And so the fact that you can't go to that person for comfort yep. or for to be your rock or yep. to be your confidant, um, that's, a, that's another layer of this that's really complicated. There are so many question marks surrounding this issue, you know, um, we've got some friends in our life that, you know, women that are friends of, of Christie's that their husbands have been unfaithful to them. Yeah. And, you know, in so many conversations, there'll be some days where it's like, okay, we feel confident that we're going to be able to work through this. And other mm-hmm. days, all of those insecurities, um, all of those, you know, the, the, the floor that was really rock solid prior to them learning of this, right. It's been ripped out from under them and it feels yeah. very shaky. So some days they're like, yes, we're going to work through this. Some days they're like, I, I don't know. I, we, I have no idea if we're going to be able to make it through this. And so that's why I think it's, it's especially imperative in a situation like this to walk, not with, yes, your friends can be there to support you, sure, but your friends don't necessarily have the tools nor do they right. have the training to actually help you begin to gain some perspective and walk through these decisions with clarity and with a with a biblical through a biblical you know right. worldview, and with an experienced worldview. Right. And so this is why I think it's very important that you make sure you identify. Okay, who is that person? Kind of that professional, whether mm-hmm. it's a counselor, whether it's one of our certified guides. Um, and nothing is wasted. Whatever it is, we, you need to find that person that can help you wade through all of this stuff. And I do think that's because I think sometimes uh, in some situations, a person might be counseled like, well, you just need marriage counseling. And that might be true. Right. But there is a, a point, I think, when you go, well, maybe actually each spouse needs some individual counseling, yep. like you said, with the therapist or with the certified guide or in a community group so that they, they can get that safe space to step yep. away and then make a really informed, really empowered decision. Right. Am I willing to keep going or, right. or am I not willing to keep going? Right. Right. And just a word of counsel to, um, I, I'm, I'm going to speak to the husbands. Maybe if you were the one who was kind of the perpetrator of your husband in this and, and you've you know been unfaithful to your wife, you're listening to this and trying to figure out how can I kind of regain trust. Trust is going to take a long time for you to regain be okay with that. Do not think that it's going to happen overnight. That's one of the things we talk about in this conversation. You're going to hear a little bit more insight into that from a couple who's walked through it, but understand that this is going to take a lot of time. You're in this for the long haul. And so your, your heart change, I'm so glad that there's heart change that's happening, but that heart change has to be manifested in action change and repeated, consistent action. It's a good word. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so, and, and don't, don't lose heart. Don't get disheartened. The Lord can do something really powerful to, to meld that trust back together. 
And I think you and I have both seen stories where the Lord has done powerful healing, redemptive work. And so this doesn't have to be the end of your story. That's right. That's right. Um, If if you do the work, like you said, to the heart change and the action change. I love that. That's a good word. So let's go ahead and take a listen to your conversation with Hillary and Joe Barry. Joe, Hillary, great to have you guys on the podcast with me. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you guys drove all the way over from Ohio, which I know it's a neighboring state, but that's a that's a pretty decent drive. How long did it take you guys to get over here? Uh, about three and a half hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, what an honor it is to have you here in our podcast studio, which doubles as my office, <laughs> which doubles as just about everything in this season right now, COVID, right? We just kind of just do everything out of this. But man, right. we're just so grateful to have you guys here. And more grateful that you guys would be willing to share your story. And um, I know it's a, it's a tough one. It's a messy one. But it's also one that's full of so much hope and redemption as well. Um, tes- testament to the fact that you guys are sitting right here together with me. And I love that. And so I don't want to waste any time. I want to go ahead and jump into the, the story. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get to know you guys as we go along in, mm-hmm. in the progression of it. So why don't you guys take me back and uh, talk to me about... Um, everything that that has taken place and just kind of start from the beginning. Okay. (laughs) Um, I get to start because I was living the dream. Mm. I just felt like we had the most perfect marriage. Not that we were perfect, but we just really fit together. Well, we were part of, uh, we actually were leaders in marriage encounter group Mm. in our area we did ballroom dancing. We did triathlons together. And um, we have seven children. Wow. His four, my three. Okay. And they consider each other brothers and oh, sisters. Awesome. So we've been able to blend our families. And again, living the dream until I kind of got this shove off the edge of a cliff mm. when I picked up Joe's phone mm. and found out that he seemed to be having something going on with a friend of ours. So Wow. How long ago was this? It was just before Christmas of 2013. Okay. 2013. December 22nd. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and it was, um, it actually got kind of hooked into joyful anticipation for me because I was so excited about Christmas. Yeah. We had driven um, from Ohio out to new jersey to spend christmas with my daughters who live in the east coast at the time and so i'm all christmasy and joe said something about a text message he had received in the car that on our way out and that first night i think looking back probably god will Mm. put the thought in my head to say check that out Mm. And when I did, I was in shock. Uh, Joe, at the time, when I confronted him with that, admitted that he was having an emotional affair with this woman. And we left the house, and that sounds very quiet. It was loud. You know, it was yeah. like it was a noisy yeah. leaving. It yeah. was a noisy leaving. Yeah. Uh, no one really knew what was going on. And, and that was the one thing I, I wanted to keep it that way. I did not want our kids to know what he had done. Wow. And so that's kind of how our journey began. Yeah. 
man. Did you want to? Yeah, Joe, I'd love to just kind of hear your, you know, your vantage point. Um, she on summed that it up there. pretty well. Yeah. Um, I was in shock when she woke me up and confronted me with the text messages on my phone. Mm. And um, I realized that I was that close to losing um, the most important person in my life. Mm. And, um, but I, but I could not find my way to tell the truth or tell the whole truth Mm. um, because she um, was under the impression that it was just an emotional affair and it wasn't until a week later that I confessed to her that it, it was more than that. Wow. So. You know, and there's a lot of a talk about safeguarding marriages, right? Especially now I know I'm privy to the fact that listeners aren't privy to this yet, that bef- that this was while you guys were not believers, right? But especially in evangelical Christianity, we talk a lot about safeguarding marriage. And, and sometimes the thing that we say is, hey, you know, chemistry and doing things together and kindling like and rekindling that friendship is what really helps to safeguard your marriage. I'm hearing you guys say that it's from the outside looking in, it seemed like you had all of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk to me about maybe what was it kind of the underpinnings uh, that maybe you didn't find out till later what kind of went awry, but what were some of the underpinnings that contributed to to to, my brokenness. Yeah. Um, I was raised, um, and I think this is common with a lot of people that I was raised to feel that I was not good enough. Mm. And I looked for, um, validation from all kinds of places. Um, I found it easier to converse with women than with men. Um, guys usually don't say a whole lot. Right. And women will talk at the drop of a hat. Right. So, right. Um, sometimes emotionally connecting with yeah. a guy is kind of hard. It's a hard bridge. To, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I found myself getting validation from women and, um, and not that I didn't get it from Hillary. She, she did, but I guess I, um, I was getting a little lost there. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had a um, lifelong, well, from my teens, uh, involvement with pornography. And um, I find that we, that, that I lived a, a life of like incremental justification. Mm. This is okay. Yeah. And then that, that little bit is okay. And then by the time um, Christmas of 13 came and um, Hill confronted me with, with this, I realized just how far I had fallen. And it, until that point, didn't really know. It was still several months before I realized the full extent of it. Yeah. But um, Joe, I, pre- I really appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable like that. You know, it, you're right in that it's very difficult for men to go to that place mm-hmm. emotionally, to even articulate those things out loud and to, to admit vulnerability, to admit brokenness to admit that somehow we don't have it all together. Um, the ironic thing is that the more we hold that in, the more broken we become. And, and so I appreciate your courage to even share that right now. Um, praying that it gives a lot of other men who are listening to this courage as well. Um, well, it's, it's not my courage. 
Mm. God telling me that this is what he wants me to do. Wow, that's great. So I, I resisted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you. So. I don't blame you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I believe this is freeing for you to share this, and I believe it's going to lead to a lot of freedom for a lot of other people as well. You know, that we... We didn't we didn't know this until we started the podcast. I mean, I, we knew it, but we didn't connect the two. But mm-hmm. that in Revelation 12, it talks about how the way we are going to overcome is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? And that sharing these things is a major component to partnering with God in the healing and the overcoming of what's going on in our lives. And so, you know, we haven't got into any of your story yet, but I just feel like that... That just to remind everybody that that like wow this I mean already to be this vulnerable and to share that I'm 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 just really I'm proud of you guys proud of you Joe proud of you Hillary I'm really excited to hear what happens next. Well, the interesting thing, Joe, as he's telling you, he was broken. He didn't feel he was good enough, and what happened is in finding out that he had betrayed me. I went into that place. Mm, I'm yeah. not good enough. Right. If I was a better wife, if I was sexier, if I was prettier, if you know, the list goes on right. and on, then he wouldn't have done this. And in the beginning, I kept trying to blame myself because I wanted to put Joe back up on this pedestal where I had him. So if it's my fault, mm. then he's not really this awful man, you know, um, my, at that point I was in shock and probably stayed that way for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And that involved trembling like all the time. I can even feel myself kind of go into a tremble, just talking about it, but it's like this fear because, um, and I think that's where us not being believers was so, made it so much worse Mm. because it's like he swept the rug of my foundation out from under me and I had nothing. Mm. He, I didn't know at the time, but he had become my foundation. He had been validating me and, and building me up. And I felt like I was a very strong woman and confident. And all of a sudden I'm this broken person who doesn't recognize anything about my life because the man who promised to love, honor, and cherish me didn't. Mm. And we had both been divorced before. And so we had learned a lot. And I thought that that would keep us safe. Yeah, yeah. That we knew what it was like to lose our marriage and to put our children through divorce. And Joe used to say, you know, you didn't pick a good one to divorce this time. That's never going to happen. You know, and I just always felt so secure. You're perfect for me. He had all these things he would say and where he may have meant them at one point, I think they also became part of what we call gaslighting. Mm. So he was building me up in a way that he ended up having more permission to do what he wanted to do because my trust was so strong. Gotcha. So I didn't yeah. question things that may have been a little off. Yeah. Huh. But that week, um, we didn't say anything to the kids. I said, go down there and be the grandfather you should have been all along. And we faked it through Christmas. 
I stayed for a week with my daughters as we had planned, and he went back home for a week. Wow. And so we had that space. Um, one of the things that I now, again, feels like a, a God piece to our story is at the very last minute, I decided to bring my laptop with me mm. so that I could email Joe while he was home. I didn't typically care you know, carry a computer with me when I went places, but that became my safe haven. I, mm. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I wrote and wrote and wrote. You were able to put all of your thoughts down mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't, process yeah, it. exactly. It wasn't <laughs> something that you're like directly saying it to him. So it became very safe. There was a buffer between the two mm -hmm. of you and that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I journaled and journaled and journaled, and then I'd look things up. What is an emotional affair? Mm. No, no. And I'd yeah. write and write and write. Yeah. So that. Wow. Wow. It's interesting, you know, the the way that you absorbed this and kind of adopted this as something that was your problem then, um, which I think is very common in situations like this, you know, just mm -hmm. as you articulated, well, am I the problem? Am I not, you know, am I not? Uh, sexy enough, good loving enough. enough, good enough, all of those things, right? Am I doing something wrong? And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how I just kind of, oftentimes in the human nature, we go, well, it's either I'm a terrible person or that person's a terrible person when both could be untrue. <laughs> right. 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 They're like, we're it's not that Joe was a terrible person there was brokenness that he had allowed into his life and continued mm -hmm. and slipped down this, like what you said, these little compromises, right? And you're not a terrible person. There was just brokenness in your relationship and these things that had happened that, um, absolutely both parties have to assume fault where fault is supposed to lie mm -hmm. and not assume fault where it's not mm -hmm. right. Yes. Um, but, but at the moment, it's really difficult to see past the immediate feelings of either I'm terrible or that person's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the most discouraging things about walking through trauma can be the overwhelming feeling of loneliness. And nothing is wasted. We don't want anyone to have to go at this alone. Beyond the inspiration that this podcast provides, we also wanted to provide community for like-minded people who are pursuing healing in our on similar pain journeys. Last year, we launched our Nothing Is Wasted Community Groups platform to meet this very need. These groups have been an incredible source of additional healing for so many people, but we're taking it to the next level. And here's how. Each of our groups will be going through the Pain to Purpose course together. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11 week video series that you can walk through on your own, but we've found that walking through it with others creates an even more powerful healing experience and makes it more likely that you will finish the course. So if you've considered doing the Pain to Purpose course, but you didn't wanna do it alone, or maybe you couldn't afford the full price, this is a great opportunity for you. Some of the groups that we have that we'll be walking through this course together are abortion, regret, and recovery, cancer, childhood trauma, child loss, divorce, widows and widowers, sexual betrayal, and more. If you're interested in being a part of our community groups in this way, we're doing something a little different. We're 
opening enrollment and we're closing it. That's right, open enrollment for the Pain to Purpose course in community groups begins February 1st and closes down March 1st. So there's a limited time for you to get in on this and we don't know if we're gonna do it this way again. The community group is free to join and the price to go through the course with that group is $57. This includes a physical copy of the participant guidebook that will ship to your home. Normally the course plus the guidebook costs $177. So this is a fantastic opportunity for you to go through the course with other people, especially if you didn't feel like you could fit the bill for the course by yourself. Only $57. To find a group that fits your unique valley and go through the pain to purpose course together with them, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. But make sure you join before March 1st because open enrollment closes March 1st. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. So what happened in that week? You guys were separated. You're journaling. Were there any kind of breakthrough moments? Did that come later? What happened? We did email back and forth. Okay. And um, that week was one of the toughest of my life. Mm. Um, I wanted to tell her the whole truth, and then I didn't. Mm. And I came up with um, three different possibilities. And the first was that I could tell her, no, I could continue to lie because I was a very accomplished liar Mm. and very good at it. So I could continue to lie. And I realized that if I did that, um, it would be a cancer on our marriage and our marriage would die a, a slow and painful death. And secondly, I thought I could tell her the truth and our marriage would die a very quick, painful death. And the third option was that I could tell her the truth and by the grace of God and some miracle, we could survive it. Mm. And I knew that was the only option that had us surviving it. Yeah. And that that's what I had to do, but I really did not want to. Mm. And um, so that that week I was going back and forth in my head and my gut. Um, you know, what am I going to do? I met with a friend of mine and explained to him um, what I had done. And he said, I would keep it under your hat. Mm. <laughs> and fortunately, I didn't listen to his advice. <laughs> And, um, yeah, that was a a very difficult week. Yeah. I know I got home that night and two of my kids were at our house to celebrate Christmas with me and I walked in the door and my head was totally somewhere else. And I just kind of faked it to have Christmas with the two of them. And then they both left to go home and I walked into our bedroom and felt like I had been punched in the stomach. Mm. It was like, I just, I blew this. I ruined it. Yeah. So... When was it that you actually, you know, you said it was a week later, but what happened when you actually confessed that it wasn't just an emotional affair, that there was um, something she, beyond that going she on? She flew home on New Year's, New Year's Eve, and um, I kept it to myself until New Year's Day. Mm. And in our um, conversation, she asked me, you know, what, is there more to this? Mm. And I, and I said, I slept with her. And... I was just looking in the book there before, but she walked away and, and, um, and I just kind of sat down felt totally defeated. Mm. 
that I had ruined it. Wow. You know, unfortunately, I feel like there's so many people that can understand this moment that you guys found yourself in. And I imagine it feels completely rock bottom, hopeless, um, not just disorienting, but completely disheartening. How do you, how did you guys begin to climb out of this? What was, what was the, I'm sure there was probably some deeper going deeper into it before you start kind of figuring Mm -hmm. out how to climb out of it. What, what, what were you feeling, Hillary? What, what happened next? Well, I went into my, I have a big walk-in closet, so I went in there and fell apart for a while. Um, and then I had the realization that if he slept with her, I had to go to the doctor and get checked for my safety, for STDs. So I came out in the kitchen. He had moved, gone out into the kitchen. I came out there and said, do I have to go to the doctor and get checked for this? Mm. And he said, Yes, and I'll go with you. And I just, I just walked over to him, and he wrapped his arms around me. Hmm. So it was really strange how Joe would comfort me, and then I'd be screaming at him. Like, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. Um, my parents are gone, and I didn't want to tell the kids, and I didn't want to tell other people. I had already been divorced once hmm. for this. And so I knew I should leave. If your husband cheats, you leave. Mm. That's what I thought. So I didn't want people to know. And I, we, we kind of isolated ourselves because of that. But what happened was in um, you know, getting on the computer about other things that we wanted to try to work out, I found that there were other women he'd been communicating with. And, you know, it was like one thing after another that the, I said at one point, I, I need to put this somewhere. I can't contain it because now I'm doing 24 seven. I'm thinking about this and, and envisioning things and do, doing this thing we call mind movies of the ugliness, which yeah. just makes you sicker. Um, so I it was like, I need to contain it. So I envisioned a box and I'm going to put it all in the box. And then at one point I, I said, I can't. It won't fit in the box anymore. I need a dumpster. So I used to say to Joe, what else do you have to put in the dumpster, Joe? You know, and and slowly but surely, he was beginning to recognize, oh, emailing these women is not okay. Texting with these women, you know. So there were different things he was doing where he was having relationships with other women, not sexual, right? Um, but maybe with an undertone. And it so it, it seemed, and it did, it got bigger and it needed to go in a dumpster. In the meantime, the crazy thing was my brother and I have uh, two brothers and a sister. They're in California, state of Washington and Canada. Mm. We're a little spread out. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going to all, we had planned to all meet on Long Island, New York, where we had okay. grown up. I didn't want to go, but we had plane tickets. They're going. And I, I, you know, numbly got onto this plane, left Joe, because I'm like hanging on to Joe, clinging to Joe, even though he's my abuser. Mm. I, I couldn't really make, thankfully, I couldn't make a separation, but he also was my comforter. Mm. Uh, so I, I went to 
this weekend with my siblings, did not tell them what was going on. On Sunday, my brother's like, let's all go to church. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Can we go to the beach afterwards? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I went with them to church, which was not something that I typically did. I, I had been as a kid here and there, but I, I'd been a long time since it was a desire of yeah. mine to go to church. And the sermon was about Abram and mm. how God told him to pack up and leave, and he did. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what was going on. So the the preacher guy, you know, I, I didn't know what you call him, the preacher guy. First they had a concert, and then they had this sermon. That's what it seemed like to me. But the, One the, of those newfangled churches. Yeah. The man carrying the Bible said... Do you trust God with your journey Mm. or do you insist on being in control yourself? Wow. And that stuck with me. Mm. And I left that weekend wondering if maybe God could help me because this was a mess. Mm. It was such a mess. And when I got home, I asked my assistant that I, I, I teach children with special needs. And I asked my assistant if she knew of a church where they had a concert at the beginning <laughs> and somebody kind of casually dressed, walked around with the That's Bible. Amazing. And she sent me to her church. Uh. Joe agreed to go because he was going to agree to anything at that point. And uh, that was the beginning of us hearing a whole lot that didn't make hmm. any sense. But during all that time that you guys were going to church and you're kind of, are you guys living together? What's your relationship like during that time and how, what, what kinds of, uh, I don't know, what kind of progress did it feel like things were progressing? Did it feel like things were, we, we never separated, but we talked about, um, we talked about this constantly and I, I went to a counselor and, um, I think we we both went that one time when he said that about you guys need to make sure that you set aside an hour, like a couple nights a week to talk about this. Mm. And I said, no, you don't understand who I'm married to. I need to set aside an hour every couple nights to not talk about it because we did (laughs) the rest of the time every waking hour that that was, that was our conversation. But um, no, at that point I was, I was white knuckling my, I don't know, trying to find my strength in mm. clenching my fists, um, not to contact my affair partner, mm. um, not to go back to pornography, just not to slide back mm. into that life that I had been yeah. in. And um, and it was, it was difficult. We were doing yeah. it on our own. Um, I did go to one group that um, Hill had found online because she did all the research, and um, it was a, a men's group to, to talk about brokenness. And I went to that. And when the leader of the group started taking notes on what people were saying, I said, no, I'm not going to share. And I never went back. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was several months after that. It was October of 14 that um, I'll, let, I'll let Hill tell you about her, um, the retreat that she went to. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I was in school and she was away overnight and I was, I, I went back to looking at stuff online that I should not have been looking at. And, um, I know 
that I cleared my history because I was really good at covering my tracks. And I know that I cleared my history. And she came home and opened up my computer, and there it was. Yeah, during that time, we became more and more isolated because uh, as I learned more, I certainly wasn't going to talk to anybody about it because they'd tell me to leave. And I didn't want to believe that my best friend wasn't the man I thought he was. Mm, I didn't want to leave him. And Joe had said, I'll do whatever it takes to save our marriage. So we kept trying and there he is. He's, I didn't know he's white knuckling it. I'm thinking we flipped this switch and nothing will ever happen again. You know, I woke him up and we're over. It's done. That's not the reality. That's not the reality. Anybody's situation in Mm -mm. that case. Yeah. I went to a retreat, met a woman who was also on this journey, who told me about a men's group that her husband had been going to. And when I came home and found pornography on the computer, uh, he, he was out when he came home. I'm like, what is this? You know, and it was a very heated conversation we had. And he was very defensive and angry, and that had not happened before. So I said, what else needs to go in the dumpster? What are you doing? And he admitted he had been in contact with his affair partner again. And I, you know, he, he, oh, at that point, Joe broke down because I had, I want to back up just a little bit in my journaling, which went on and on and on. At one point I felt like I was going crazy and I had written, God help me, I'm going crazy. And it seemed like God wrote back, you can leave. I was, I hadn't really thought of it at that point. I, I I'd just been, I have to stay. I have to stay. No, you can leave. I was so excited. I woke Joe up to tell him that I could leave if I was going too crazy. <laughs> and, and my response was, thank you, God. Yeah. <laughs> so I find out, you know, about the affair partner and everything yeah. like that. And it's all of a sudden, you know, Joe stopped yelling and broke down, put his head in his hands and cried. Mm. He said, my biggest fear is losing you. Mm. Losing you is my biggest fear. Later that night, when I'm awake again and journaling and writing and just so angry, God washed this peace over me. I felt like that's probably the first time I've experienced the Holy Spirit. And God, through my hands, said, He's afraid you will leave. He cannot tell the truth mm. if He's afraid you will leave. Just love them unconditionally. Mm. And I'm, I probably wrote, no way. Do you know what he did? You know, but I, I got the message. It kind of feels like the old movie, You've Got Mail. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you and God talking. About yes, yes. There, That's exactly there, what it was. Yeah. That wow. seemed to happen a lot because I would wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning and I'd start writing yeah. and it would be all my pain and my confusion. And the next thing you know, it was like things would quiet. And then answers would come and peace would come. And this was like, love him, just love him. Let him know you will never leave him. Mm. And I had left the porn site on his computer. Oh, I'll show him. He'll wake up and that'll be the first Mm. thing he sees, you know, shoot myself in the head Mm. with, you know, like that's not good for either of us. So what I did then, you know, with this new piece, I found the support group the woman had told me about. And I put that on his computer. So when he got up in the morning, that's, I said, go look at your computer. Mm. I think you need to go here. 
And I, I kept saying to Joe, I don't care what you do. We honesty has to be the priority. You don't have to be perfect. I will not leave you. I want you to get well. You know, that was when I first realized this problem followed us into our new marriage, mm. the one we were trying to trying to create right. free of all of that stuff I thought was in the past. Right. But it was here. It was in, in our current marriage, and I had to find a way to love him into getting well. Wow. And this was before you had really made a decision to receive the the Lord as your savior, right? I mean, you're having these conversations with mm-hmm. God and he's whispering into your soul and he's guiding you through this, through major concepts that really revolutionize and transform our hearts like unconditional love right. and, you know, complete honesty and, you know, no, not a fear of being abandoned, betrayed or left. Mm-hmm. And these massive concepts mm-hmm. he's teaching you and you don't even necessarily know this about your heavenly father yet right right wow. it was it was very crazy and i felt at times because then i i don't know if it was before he was writing with me i but i would hear you're gonna be okay baby girl mm. you're gonna be okay and i asked joe do we call any of the girls baby girl because huh. wow. at first i you know science fiction movie or something <laughs> yeah, i'm hearing yeah. things trust me baby girl trust me yeah. So God was trying to comfort me and quiet me so I could hear him better, I guess. Since we are in the middle of our marriage series, which has been so enriching and challenging, we thought we would further resource you in the area of marriage by bringing back Justin and Trisha Davis. They are our guests for our February bonus episode. They're pastors here in Indianapolis, and they were guests on episode 82 in our Sexual Betrayal series, which, by the way, is our most listened to series ever. In our bonus episode within this month, we take a deeper dive into their insights regarding marriage and tips they've learned along the way to live beyond the betrayal. This couple is full of resourcing, wisdom, and with loads of experience. You will not want to miss my conversation with them. If you want to listen to this bonus episode or any of our other bonus content, head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to make a recurring monthly tax deductible donation of $20 a month or more. If you are hesitant about committing $20 a month, you can start a seven day free trial to preview the bonus content we have under our partner program. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Here's a little preview of my bonus conversation with the Davises now. We talked about this, Davey, with you and and Christy, that we, you know, in our stories, we don't live in the past, but they are now a a redemptive story that we get to go first with in hopes to inspire people to go second. And we just keep reminding ourselves in that, that we, we are not our past, but God was so thick in our past that we get to live in the present that we are now that we don't look back on it with such disdain it yeah. it's a a redemptive gift in a in a crazy way to say that but it's like it when we do go back there it makes today even sweeter and our gratitude grows more because of it
Joe, you know, I, there's, of course, men and women don't understand each other. Of course. Right. <laughs> men, I mean, the age old men are from, what is it? Men are from Mars, men, women are from yeah. Venus or the yeah. other way around or something like that. Right. Of course we have. Um, but I wonder if you can kind of enlighten our listeners because many of them are women. Many of them, unfortunately, have found themselves in a similar situation. If, if your greatest fear was losing Hillary, what was, why was, why was this stronghold? So, um, why was it so powerful that it, you would find yourself continue to slip back into the thing that would probably cause you to lose her? Have you kind of been able to parse that out at all? And, um, yeah. Um, part of it was that, um, like most men in this situation, I didn't think I'd get caught. Mm. I, it won't be me. I see these yeah, other guys right. get caught, but I won't because right. I'm, I'm smarter. And the other part of that is that um, I was selfish. Mm. I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too. Um, I had a, have a beautiful, loving wife. Um, our life together, yeah, was, was pretty much perfect, as much as you could ask for. Um, but there was something more that I wanted, and I wasn't going to let the fact that we had this perfect life get in the way of getting what I wanted. Mm. And, um, you know, looking back on that man now, I can't even, I don't even recognize him. Mm. I don't like him. Wow. Um, wow. And you know what? Uh, we were at a marriage we went to a lot of different things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. I went to everything we could find. Absolutely. But we were at a marriage program, and at one point, Joe leaned over and whispered to me, and he said, I feel funny saying this, but before I had God in my life, even with you there, I was lonely. You feel empty and lonely, yeah. Isn't it amazing that there is, no matter, you can have everything in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is what Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes. He's like, man... I've attained and chased and acquired everything I possibly could. I've got from all intents and purposes, outside looking in, if you were to see my life, it's perfect. And I've done it to the nth degree. And yet it feels meaningless because there's this God-sized hole in each one of us that can only be filled by God. And um, without that, without us allowing God to fill that, then we're, we're going to try to find it somewhere else. We're going to find fulfillment somewhere else. Well, I, I had said that um, I had been raised a Catholic. And so I, and at that point I was 58 years old. And um, I, I knew religion, but I did not know relationship. Mm. And I had heard through my life that you need to have a relationship with God, but I had no clue what that looked like. Mm. And um, so that summer of 2014, I was reading, and I, I don't even know where I found the title of the book or whether I just found it on the shelf in the, in the store, but I was reading the shack Hmm. and the part of that book where Mac was sitting on the dock with Jesus Mm -hmm. and said, do you guys walk on the water? And (laughs) Jesus said, yeah. Mac said, can I try it? Yeah, go ahead. So Mac stood up and the water ran in his shoes and Jesus kind of chuckled and said, we usually take our shoes and socks off first. (laughs) And that just struck me in a way that, that's 
okay, so Jesus is like my friend. I can mm. sit down and have a conversation with him and unload what's on my mm -hmm. heart mm -hmm. and hear what he has to say back to me. So all of a sudden, all this time where people were saying, have a relationship with God, yeah. this clicked. Okay, that's what I need to do. Wow. I need to, to approach Jesus as my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and going back to what you said earlier in this conversation where you, you were not readily uh, emotionally connecting with other men, but here's this, right? The God man, the ultimate man mm -hmm. that you were able to find, it was able to kind of open that door for you mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. say, I can emotionally connect with this guy. And that became kind of the boom light bulb moment that really at the end of the day, none of us can connect or love anybody without understanding the love of Jesus. You know, that's right. Mm -hmm. Without that love, us being a conduit for that, that love really overtaking and healing us, healing our brokenness, so that then we can properly and in a healthy way connect with other people. Wow, wow. Okay, so when did the when did this like when, was there a turning point? When yeah, I think the retreat, coming home from the retreat, mm -hmm. finding out that the brokenness was in this marriage. Yeah, um, and then things really kind of snowballed from there, where. I sent Joe to that men's group the next day, kind of. Um, and he came, I, I couldn't wait for him to come home and say that it had been magic or something, you know, that it, he was cured. Yeah, yeah. And he came home and he said, they were, there was a lot of Bible stuff. I really don't know what they were talking about. And I'm like, I think it was the look on my face that he said, but I'll go back. <laughs> yeah, the, the group leader, um, preached on Romans 7 hmm. that night. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what he's talking about, but okay, I'm interested. I'll come hmm. back next week. And But the, one of the big things with that was I walked into this group, um, and this was at the Vineyard Church in Columbus, mm -hmm. and I walked into this group, 180, and I look around, and they look like normal guys. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what I was expecting, but they yeah. just look like, Right. Anybody else on the street. Right. And I realized that these were all guys that were on the same journey I was, and they were trying to get well. They wanted to get well. Wow. And, wow. you know, if, if they had looked really weird, maybe yeah. I wouldn't have gotten back, <laughs> but they looked Which, typical guys. Unfortunately, so. in some circles that yeah. evangelical Christianity, that's true. <laughs> Fortunately, that wasn't your group. Right. It's great. And you know what's neat about that group? There are about 100 men in this group and then they break into smaller groups for mm -hmm. accountability mm -hmm. and, and stuff. But I had the amazing opportunity to speak mm. to them wow. about and tell them my side of the story and how I was going crazy and some of the, 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 the PTSD types yeah, of episodes yeah. that I had. And you could see they're all like, Oh, it's not just my wife. Wow. And, um, it just warmed my heart to realize, to see that there were so many men yeah. trying to get well. Yeah. And that was one of the things for me, I read and read and read about sexual brokenness, both from the man's perspective and the wife's perspective. And I, I was going to say, I, I developed an appreciation. I didn't appreciate any of <laughs> right, it. Right, right, right. An, an understanding of, or at least as to the extent that you can, yeah. I developed an understanding of the battle and empathy that might be the yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes i have so much empathy for the men who are on this journey and 
I know I'm jumping ahead, but you know, we lead groups right yeah, now. Yeah. And one of the things that I feel called to do is to help the women move past the anger, maybe not past it may not be the right word, but to see beyond their anger right. into the heart of this man who, who is trying to get well, but maybe mm. has tripped again or uh, um, said the wrong thing that has then triggered her back to right. the old pain. Right. But yet he's trying to get well. And it is so important for the wives with men who have had a heart change. Mm -hmm. It's so important for the wives to support that mm -hmm. because we all want to just have it never happen again. You know, I said to Joe, I can't wait till you stop being tempted. Yeah. And he had to tell me the truth. That's never that, going to happen. That was a very that, difficult conversation. Yeah. When she said that, I, my heart kind of sunk and I, mm -hmm. I said, I hate to, to break this to you, but I am never not going to be tempted. Mm -hmm that the temptation is there and how I approach that, how I respond to that is going to be kind of the, the watermark of, right. of where we, where we go. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I, I learned not to put myself in situations where I would be tempted, um, walk down a different aisle at the supermarket yeah. or, um, you know, bounce my eyes, bounce my brain. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think in a, a big part of that was her acceptance, mm -hmm. um, painful as it was, that the temptation is always going to be there. Right. And um, in in our group, we we call sobriety um, not having you know looked at or you know viewed porn um, and no contact with anyone other than our wife. Mm -hmm. So I have been sober now for five and a half years. Wow. And, but I tell the guys in my group, it's still a battle, right? It's still right. there every day. Yep. It gets easier. Yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. And that's, that's an important distinction that, you know, we, we talk about sometimes that you feed the flesh or you feed the spirit. Mm -hmm. And when you are diving into any kind of addiction, when you're diving into feeding the temptation, you're feeding the flesh and it's going to grow. It's going to mm -hmm. grow, right? What you feed grows, mm -hmm. but when you learn the tools that you were learning to be able to sidestep the temptation, avoid the temptation, say no to the temptation, all of those things, the more you begin to feed the spirit in your life, the more that grows and the less daunting that temptation becomes. Sometimes it can come back in waves in a really big temptation, but because you have those tools, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. you can go, no, 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 wait, hold on. Okay. This one's a little bit stronger than Mm -hmm. what it was, what it's been for the past four weeks, but I have the tools and I can say no and I can walk away and I can, you know, and that's, that's what feeding the spirit begins to do and the fruit that comes out of that in your life. Um, that's what you mean by when you say it gets easier, you know, it gets it easier. Can, yeah. yeah. You can begin to see how it's like, Oh, I don't desire this as much as I, right. I did. And one of the, one of the big tools that we use in 180 is accountability. Mm. So the people in our group, um, these guys know me better than anybody except her. Mm -hmm. So I can tell them anything. Right. And um, they will call me on it. Mm -hmm. If what they see is not what they think, 
I should be doing. And, you know, it's, it's from a a position of love, Mm -hmm. but, um, they hold me accountable. I hold them accountable, but it's that community around me Mm -hmm. that, um, strengthens me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So talk to me about the component of, um, you know, when you guys gave your life to the Lord, how that began to maybe put gasoline on the fire of this thing, of the healing fire, not the bad fire, the healing right. fire, <laughs> right. the supernatural thing that began to happen in the two of you guys. I'm assuming that it began to just catalyze this healing even further. Right. Well, we, um, Joe had to go through a process of developing an inventory of all mm-hmm. his brokenness. And then we, you know, he shared it with another man yep. and then picked the things, the general categories to share with me because we had already done too much sharing Yeah, yeah. prior to that. Mm-hmm. And after we did that, each time um, Joe would do a disclosure kind of thing with me, mm-hmm. I would, it was like he felt freedom mm-hmm. and I felt burdened mm-hmm. because he now took all the ugliness and dumped it on me. Yeah. So that last time we, we kind of wanted that to be a finish line and after I got over the ugliness being dumped on me, uh, we did accept Christ mm. as our Savior. Joe said he felt so much different, so much lighter. I didn't really feel any different. And I was very disappointed mm. by that until I realized that the day after the retreat, the unconditional love day, yeah. I had yeah. been calling that my miracle day. That was really... I, I believe that was really my own personal accepting of Christ because I was on a high for like right. three days over that. And I just loved Joe in a different way yep. and had had pockets of peace. We went from that to uh, Joe asked that we do a vow renewal. Mm. And we we I kind of wanted to just get it over with because I was still pretty <laughs> broken, you know, okay, I mean, you know, and didn't have a lot of energy. Yeah. That's the thing to um, women on this journey have like zero energy just oh, from trying to survive. Yep. But my girls are like, oh, it's got to be a big deal. And our kids just thought this was all a... A big party. A, mm. a big party mm. to celebrate that, that we were going to church because none of them are believers. Mm. So we did have a beautiful, beautiful vow renewal. And what we wanted them all to see was that, and and what we said to each other is, when I can't trust you, I will trust God. Mm. And that God is at the center of our marriage. Wow. And we kids with who aren't believers, you know, we just wanted them to hear that. Yeah. They were also at our baptism prior to that. So we kept trying to to bring this into their lives. Um, as best we could, but we weren't telling them the truth mm. about what had even brought us to this point. And, um, you know, we kept going. I was going to groups. Joe was going to groups. We were healing. I was getting triggered and I'd fall into a pit again. So it's kind of, for me, it's still an up and down um, ride. It wasn't smooth sailing at that point. And one day, Joe has this brilliant idea (laughs) about watching football. I said, I really don't think that God is healing me so that I can sit around on Sundays and watch football. Hmm. I think he's telling me I need to help other men. Wow. Wow. So I became a small group leader 
at 180 and then um well a while later started a group at our own church wow that's and great. um at, at that group uh sometimes we have as many as 13 15 guys and it's usually about eight or nine but yeah but um and we've continued that it's four years now wow we've been doing that so wow. she has a women's group at one end of the building i have men's at the other and we have wow. a lot of couples that come and then and they go, go the separate directions yes. different ways. Wow. That's powerful. And one thing that has come out of that too is where we we're ministering to individuals, yep. but we are also ministering to the couples. You know, we'll get a call. Can you zoom with us today or tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and I said, Come on, Joe, finish eating. They need us right now. Um, so it's wow. been really neat to meet with couples. And I had one gal one time after I had met with her, she said, thank you for being willing to go into the ugliness yeah, with me. Yeah. And I, I was, um, when all this, when our journey began, I was a very independent, kind of doing my own thing person. Mm -hmm. I didn't need other people. I just, at the teacher room, I wouldn't really get involved. You know, I wouldn't go into the teacher room. I, I had a few friends here and there I get together with once in a while. I was very isolated mm -hmm. just in general. And now, like, nobody can believe that because I'm with people all the wow. time and I'm ministering yeah. to people and I'm helping people and, you know, oh, wow. no, the, you know, this and that happened in my marriage. Well, you want to get together and talk about <laughs> it? So. And there's so much joy that comes out of that, too. There's yes. this redemptive joy that happens. And I imagine it also creates this really cool additional thread that ties the two of you together when you're doing ministry together yes. and you're able to take your story and the broken, messy pieces of it, and you're able to say, hey, we're helping other people with this as well. This is what I believe Jesus is saying when he talks about the, the single grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies, unless it dies. Like, I think about all of the, the quote-unquote death that happened in your story, the death mm. of this, like, perceived perfect marriage that we had, the death of my own pride, the death of all of these things that had to die yes. and come to a rock-bottom moment so that then this seed could germinate and grow a tree that now is blessing other people. Mm -hmm. And in, it doesn't happen overnight. Oh, no. <laughs> no. By any means. No. And it wasn't pain-free. And it's not so. pain-free. You're right. But it, yeah. it's blessing other people. Wow. Hillary, can you, you said something. I'd love for you to kind of speak about the distinction of this. You know, you said, and I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you, you mentioned this, this journey, taking this journey with... Joe, because, because he was demonstrating heart change, mm -hmm. you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was along the lines of when you were wrestling with, do I, do I stay? Do I go? You were absolutely justified by going. You even felt this whisper. You can go if you want to, Right. but you had this wrestling and you're seeing this heart change happen. Um, can you kind of talk about the distinction between the two? Because, uh, this can be a, a topic that's, you know, very, it's very, uh, polarizing because it's, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of deep pain involved in it. Mm -hmm. Some people will immediately say, you just, you should have walked out. Right. Um, and then many people are going to also applaud you for staying. Uh, there's a lot of vitriol in, on both sides of the, mm -hmm. of the equation. How did, how do you advise people to discern whether it's appropriate to stay or go? Yeah, that's, that is such an important distinction. In the beginning of Joe 
turning things around. He kept saying to me, I'm different. Can't you tell? Hmm. No. This was a week later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We do that, don't we? We're like, come on. I'm like, I know I just destroyed your trust right here of all of these years that I built up. Right. I destroyed it in a moment. Right. And now I should be able to have it all built back up in a week. Right. 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 And I think that Hmm. he, because of the freedom he felt, even just in deciding to tell me that, that his affair had been physical, he felt like a changed man. Yeah. And the problem was, as he was, his heart was changing, as his actions were changing, uh, he used to um, procrastinate mm-hmm. a lot and, and it was now was not doing that, you know, so there were some um, changes on a couple of different levels. But I'm watching this going and saying, but I thought you already were that man. Mm-hmm. And that was so difficult because as he was becoming who I thought he was, at the same time, I was learning of all the things he had been doing Mm. when when I didn't know, when he was lying, when he was gaslighting me. And I would wake up in the middle of the night so confused, like, does he still think it's okay to text other women? Mm. Does he still think it's okay to, you know, whatever else he was doing? And what I realized one day is I needed a contract. Mm. I needed something in writing that I could refer to. And I, I asked Joe and he agreed to do it. He made a list. It started out with something like, I promise to tell Hillary anytime I fail to love, honor and cherish her. Mm. If I fail to respect her in any of these ways, and so he made a list of of different ways that he had betrayed me before yeah. that he intended to no longer do mm. and that he would tell me if he did. And we got so honesty is the priority, honesty is the priority. And that is the hardest thing in my group. So many women are, are saying all the time, why is he lying to me? I already know. I already know he does these things, you know, and um, but but Joe really got it into his heart that he was going to do everything to tell me the truth. So if he looked at articles online about uh, famous women, famous, attractive women, he would tell me. And and I would come home that afternoon. He'd say, babe, I have to tell you something you're not going to want to hear. And those words, every time I'd hear that, like, oh, you know, no. yeah. in my stomach and my heart would start beating and I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. And he would, he would tell me. Yeah. And we would talk about it. We would... My, my thing always was, did you tell your guys, what are you going to do differently? Hmm. And then we'd flip our little contract over and we'd put the date down and write down the strategy he was planning to use in the yeah. future. And we'd both initial it and sign it. And that became my kind of like a, a, a guarantee that yeah. things were yeah. getting better and so that was just what worked right. for us. At least became your barometer right. for what was actually happening in his right. heart, you know, because heart change can be tough to discern, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. people can hide it. Yeah. They can fool, they can fool people for a season on whether or not they've have a, had a heart change. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think is very important to distinguish is that our intentions only get us so far. Mm-hmm. Our words only get us so far. 
We can say that we're going to change. We can intend to change, but actions are the only things that act. The, it's the mm -hmm. fruit that shows and demonstrates whether or not we've had that heart change. Right. The guys uh, now have a, kind of a mantra that they use in their meetings. Are you guarding your wife's heart? Mm. And that's something that women can feel happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a, a trigger episode at, you know, say at Target, where yeah. I saw an attractive woman and I thought he was staring at her and he wasn't. He didn't even know who I was talking about. But I went into a whole panic attack over it. Well, the next time we're at Target, Joe says to me, is this okay for you? Mm. He's trying to guard it's my guarding. heart. He remembers right. well. that Target was a problem for me. And you get with triggers, like anything can become a trigger. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it pulls you back to the nightmare of really as if you had just found out right, all right. over again. Yeah. And and that's a hard thing to move past. But when a husband is able to drop little, little bits of truth or guarding your heart into this, uh, we, we call it a trust bucket. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, every, I'd say, Joe, that's another coin in the trust bucket. <laughs> that's such a great visual. Clink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such a great visual. We use that with our kids. I think we stole it from Dave Ramsey, the trust rope. Okay. And we're like, okay, your trust rope has just gotten shorter, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. the trust, the trust rope, when it gets longer, it's because you've proven yourself trustworthy. And the same thing is true for, you know, for, for marriages, it has to be built on trust. Right. And, you know, I, I believe that it is our job as men to make sure that we're leading the way and building that foundation of trust, because I think we're probably more susceptible just because of the nature of being a man to hiding and secrecy and, you know, not opening up and not being honest and not being vulnerable. And so we have to over almost like override our natural tendencies in order to build that trust. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and it's very, very important. It kind of helps set, sets the stage and the culture for that, for a healthy marriage. And one of the things that I would do when Joe would share something I didn't want to hear, I would usually thank him for being honest. Mm. And then I would say, I'm going to go for a drive now. Mm. And I might have to talk to somebody. I might have to yell and scream in my car because it still hurts yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. he's tempted or that he might slip. Um, but I try really hard to not dump that on him. He yeah. knows, he knows I need to go vent it or I, a lot of times I yep. just have to write, to about it. write about it. <laughs> oh man. So. Well, speaking of you guys have written this book, we survived infidelity, an unexpected life lesson. Mm -hmm. And, um, can you tell me a little bit about, about this? What, what's your hope for the readers when they pick up this book? Well, originally I wanted women to, to know that they weren't alone mm. and that it wasn't their fault. So that was kind of how it started. Um, this is actually, my journaling came out for that two and a half year period that the book covers came out to be about 700 pages, Ooh, single wow. space typed. And I weeded through that. And I, I felt like God was writing a book with yeah, me throughout. Yeah. And I weeded through that and turned it into that book. Wow. And wow. now we realize God... God wants us to share our story. That's great. To help other marriages, to bring other yeah. people closer to Him. Um, people have read it and started going back to church. Wow. 
other people have read it that ha- are not on the infidelity journey and have said, I, I got a lot of ideas of things I should do differently in yeah. my marriage yeah. to protect us. And mm. Wow, so. this is powerful. You know, I mean, this, this is a, if you're listening to this, you want uh, kind of a play-by-play, but it sounds like mm-hmm. the journey, the progression of the journey and how heart change um, and healing happens in a situation like this uh, I would definitely suggest picking it up. We survived infidelity by Hillary Berry. The the thing that I think is so profound about your story and what you guys are doing is I believe that marriages are the greatest, um, most acute target that the enemy has mm-hmm. because marriage yes. shows us more than any other symbol shows us how much God loves us, shows us the covenant that God has um, has put out for us, just like what you were talking about. This, these massive ideas that, hey, love them unconditionally, mm-hmm. right? Well, where do we learn that? We learn that because God loves us unconditionally, no matter how many times we are unfaithful to him. That's what the whole book of Hosea is about in the Bible, right? Is yes. this big allegory of who we are in relation to God, and yet he still pursues us. He still romances us. He still calls us and wins us over and and, and, and this is the, we're, it's, it's marriage puts on display the love of God. And that's why the enemy wants to attack it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have so many marriage problems going on in the world today. And what I love about your story and not just that your courage to step out and share your story is that you are attacking the enemy's attack. You're mm-hmm. going right back at it and saying, no, 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 no. We, gonna, we refuse to let him win. That's right. <laughs> we're going to let, we're going to make sure that the gospel that redemption, that hope, that Jesus has the last word. That's so great. Wow. Wow. And one of the things with our story is it's a love that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. The fact that Joe would stand there while I'm screaming and cursing at him because of what he's done, Hmm. and then he'd wrap his arms around me, and I'd let him and I'd find comfort in that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and wanting this broken man that I should be kicking out the door, wanting him to get well. <laughs> and so I'm going to stay there and, and do that. Cause I feel like God wants God put me with Joe. Wow. And I think a lot of the women who are with men who have had heart change, it's because God feels that we are courageous enough mm. to do his work wow. with, with this really good, good man who just got broken. Wow. Wow. Um, there's no doubt, Hillary, you have to be courageous to, choose to stay mm-hmm. in this situation. But, but that again is the heart of God. Mm-hmm. It's not the right thing for every person. There are definitely situations where that's not the right thing, right. but for you to hear the voice of God and say, this, this is what God is telling me to do to put on display his love for us. Wow. Amazing guys. Thanks so much for spending some time with me and sharing your story. This has been awesome. And uh, I just, I really appreciate your courage. I really appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. You guys can go to www.hillaryberry.com. That's H-I-L-A-R-I-E, Hillary, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y.com. And then we'll put all of the other contact information if you guys want to get in touch with Joe and Hillary and find out uh, ways that um, maybe they can help you on your own journey. So guys, that would be great. Thanks again. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you.
It was a great conversation here in Hillary and, and Joe's story. So good. And, um, and, and before Aubrey, we kind of close things down. I would love to hear, and I want the listener to hear from our resident counselor in the series, Nicole Zasowski. So Nicole. Goodness. Thank you, Joe and Hillary, for your courage and vulnerability in sharing your story. One thing Joe shared that I wanted to highlight is that he has identified in his journey that he was raised to feel like he was not good enough and that the way that he coped with this pain was to seek validation from others. And it's important that we recognize here that there is always pain that drives hurtful behavior even if it hasn't been articulated or doesn't seem to make sense or isn't obvious on the surface, all hurtful behavior has its roots in pain. On the other side of that, it's also important to note that understanding this pain does not mean that we are excusing the harmful behavior. This understanding merely helps us see the other person's humanity while we hold them responsible for their actions that may have hurt us. I was also really struck by Hillary's insight that when she experienced betrayal, it felt like the rug got pulled out from under her in a way that made her realize that her identity and security were invested solely in Joe. And when he betrayed her, she felt like she had lost everything. And later on, Joe also mentioned that even with Hillary in his life, Before he met God, he felt lonely. And this highlights something really important about marriage. It's a uniquely intimate and sacred relationship. And we are absolutely responsible for being loving and trustworthy. But we were never meant to be the source of the other person's identity and sense of security. Only God can do that. And if our identity and safety is invested anywhere else, even in a loving spouse, we will be disappointed. We were not meant to meet all of each other's needs. Two people, depending on Christ for our identity and sense of safety, are more connected than two people trying to meet all of each other's needs. As I listen to Joe and Hillary's story, one thing I wanted to highlight is that trust can be torn down in a nanosecond, and it takes a long time to build. In the case of a betrayal such as an affair, there needs to be this season shortly after the affair that gives the offender the opportunity to put trust back into the relationship. This involves something we refer to as a payment plan in which the offender makes trust deposits to restore the safety in the relationship. And Joe and Hillary actually described this as a trust bucket. And this looks different depending on the nature of the betrayal and what the situation was. But one key ingredient in all situations is that it requires openness and honesty which Joe and Hillary referred to as really important in their own story. Honesty is also often difficult information to share, and it's also often difficult information to hear, but they put honesty first and trust was built. And there needs to be in this season an agreement from both parties on what this needs to look like. It's also important to recognize that a payment plan 
is not a payback plan. This is not an opportunity to punish the offender or get revenge, but rather an opportunity for the offender to restore love and trust to the relationship. It's actually a gift for them. Both parties here have a role. As the offender works to put trust deposits into the relationship, the offended party is responsible for being willing to see those efforts and to make those efforts count. It's also important to note that we need a really high degree of reliability to feel safe, around 90%, but no human is going to do this 100% perfectly. I'm so grateful that Joe brought up what sobriety means for a couple recovering from an affair. It means no contact with the outside parties. We cannot pursue two things at once and we have to practice our recovery. It doesn't mean that we don't feel temptation or that pain is suddenly eradicated from our lives, but we practice and the more we choose truth over the feeling, the more our brain will see the truth as a viable option when we are tempted or do feel pain. Joe and Hillary, I wanna personally thank you for being a beautiful example of what it looks like to be a good steward of our pain. And for the listener, no matter what your particular story might be, I wanna challenge us all to think about how God is weaving his redemption into the parts of our stories that might feel wrecked and ruined. And what might God want you to do with the gift of your healing? We absolutely have a choice. And in stewarding our story well, we can offer a tremendous gift to the world. Thank you, Nicole, for that wisdom. I'm so grateful that she's our counselor for this series. Uh-huh. You can find and follow Nicole at NicoleZazowski.com if you're interested in learning more about her. That's Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I. That is a tough name. I'm glad you pronounce. spelled it out because I thought, Zazowski. should I spell it for the listeners or less? Nicole Zazowski. Nicole Zazowski. Zazowski. Man. Hey, if that... If that interview with Hillary and Joe really resonated with you, because that's part of your story, we want to give you some resources, some ways that you can partner with God to take back your story, some things that we have at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, Obviously, this episode is about sexual betrayal, and we have an entire series on sexual betrayal, actually our most listened to series, as we referenced at the front end of this. And that's episodes 79 through 83. You can go to nothingiswasted.com slash podcast and search for that series right there. Um, And we also have a community group that's led by one of the um, women that was featured in that series, Carissa Sprinkle, and she leads a community group, nothingiswasted.com slash community groups for women who have been sexually betrayed. That group is is thriving. There are so many women there who are getting healing and amazing um, and support from each other. It's incredible. We also have a bonus episode with Michael and Kristen Carey that you can access at nothingiswasted.com slash partners. And uh, if you want to set up a, a seven day free trial right there um, and, and just kind of check out that you, you definitely can do that as well. We also want to give a shout out to Sleeping at Last. Thank you so much for letting us use Ryan's music for this podcast. Always incredible. And we want to continue to invite you, listener, to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us hear from you. It helps the podcast move kind of up in the algorithm. And it's encouraging to us as well. I actually want to 
read a review that uh, someone sent in this week. Yes. It's a good one. You ready for it, Davey? Ready. Okay. I genuinely believe God led me to this podcast. Mm. Between the underlying anxiety from the COVID-19 pandemic and dealing with some trauma experienced both in ministry and marriage, I have needed this kind of resource for some time. Wow. The truths spoken here hit hard, and I am grateful for the host's focus on Christ. Great podcast for anyone who is longing for reminders of God's faithfulness and for encouragement to continue trusting Him. Mm, Man. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank that. you for sharing that. That was a thank really, so really much. powerful one. So encouraging. And we'd love for you to interact with us on Instagram. It's another way that we get encouraged just by hearing from you, our Nothing Is Wasted community. So interact with us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries or at Davy Blackburn or at Obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. We've been doing some giveaways recently, so you're going to want to make sure That's you right. follow Nothing Is Wasted Ministries to get in on those giveaways. And next week we have our final episode in the marriage series with some good friends of mine, Mary and Dave Gothy. I love them. I'm really excited about this one. They are amazing. They're certified guides and community group guides for us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You're not going to want to miss their story that we're going to feature next week. And so let's listen to a little clip from my conversation with Dave and Mary Gothy. college, became a young pastor's wife and, and had my own ministry. Um, eventually went into, um, young life because I loved working with teenagers and we had this amazing opportunity come up and so worked in young life in the Midwest and then moved to Vienna, Austria, where we not only worked in, in Vienna itself in international schools, but helped plant young life in Eastern Europe when it was still communist. So finished school, went back to the mission field and they were just, you know, you can have a loving, healthy marriage, but if there's an overwhelming amount of external pressures, doesn't matter how good your marriage is. If you, if you're not taking that time to do what you need to do mm. and really protecting your marriage yeah. um, because you're so busy doing good things, right. Um, right. the enemy just gets in there and lies to you. Yeah. And having worked in, in places that were enemy territory, right. I mean, Eastern Europe. It's just inundated. Yeah, absolutely. Was, had belonged to the enemy for so long through Nazis and through communism. And so it was, it was just tough and, um, ended up coming home from the mission field thinking that we were going to go back. Um, but that is not what happened. We ended up, um, getting divorced. 